0: everybody, welcome to this episode of the Heart Podcast. It's James Rudd, the digital media editor here at Heart. Today I'm delighted to chat to Dr. Holly Morgan. Holly is a research fellow working with Dr. DeVarca Pereira and along with Devarka and some other co-authors has just published a paper in Heart which is called The Evaluation of the Causes of Sex Disparity in Heart Failure Trials. We have a good chat about the results of her study and what we can do to increase Uh, female enrolment in clinical cardiovascular research trials. I hope you enjoy the show. Dr Morgan, maybe you could introduce yourself. Who are you? Where do you work and what do you do?
1: Yeah, it's great to be here on the podcast. Thanks. Uh, I'm Holly Morgan. I'm one of the cardiology registrars actually training in Wales, but I'm currently out of programme, uh, doing a PhD at uh, St. Thomas' Hospital in London with Professor DeMarco Pereira.
0: And thanks so much for joining me on the podcast, Dr Morgan. I wanted to get you on to chat about a paper, uh, a piece of original research that you've just published, which is called Evaluation of the Causes of Sex Disparity in Heart Failure Trials. Perhaps we can start off by you giving us a little bit of background to this study. What made you want to write this paper? What was missing from the from the evidence base out there?
1: We knew that um, it had been recognized that female patients were underrepresented in all research, really, particularly um, cardiology. And then even further, they looked at comparing the females in the population to females within trials of different diagnoses and found that heart failure was a particularly bad area. Um, And so we were obviously very interested in that. That's sort of the area that we do research in. And within a few major trials we've been involved in recently, We also started noticing there was a very small proportion of females that we were recruiting, despite, you know, thinking we were doing as much as we could to to combat that. And obviously, we work quite closely with patient uh, representatives, particularly on uh, trial steering committees. And they were also quite concerned about that. They felt it was really important for any research we were doing to then be applicable to all of our patients. Um, So we thought it was worth looking into further and not just looking into to, again, notice that it's, it's there, but to perhaps try and find out whether it was an appropriate asymmetry or whether there's actually a problem there and whether our populations were representative and reflective of our populations. So, you know, clearly more needs to be done than just stating the percentages there.
0: And can you give us a bit more background to the study that you carried out? So it's clear that cardiovascular disease affects men and women equally. And uh, I think in the beginning of your paper, you talk about how it accounts for 49 percent of deaths in women. Can you go into that a bit more?
1: Yeah, so I think uh, sort of historically people have always been taught that it's more of a a male disease, cardiovascular disease, but I think we're really understanding now that's just not the case. Um, Very much, you know, people used to talk about atypical histories and now that's, you know, definitely not taught anymore, which is obviously a really good thing. But it's just so interesting how, uh, you know, unconscious bias is clearly there. So there was actually a study where they had uh, male and female um, actors and they both went in to see a, a cardiologist with identical histories. Um, and uh, women were significantly less likely to come out with a diagnosis of, of coronary disease or investigations for coronary disease, which is just fascinating in a sort of study situation that they would find that. So I think if we're under investigating and under diagnosing women, perhaps there's less women around to be recruited into trials. Um, and it doesn't seem to be just in clinical research, even in pre-clinical um, actually 78% of the mice that are used in rodent studies are males just considering that the females of um, mice hormones might affect the results so if all of our research right from sort of bench level way through to clinical is all mainly in male patients and male animals it's hard to say that it will be as applicable to females so we thought it was really important to look into it
0: and um, again in the introduction to your study you talk about In this paper, you focus on heart failure trials and recruitment of women into those studies, but you also mentioned some other areas of cardiovascular medicine, like hypertension trials, which seem to do better. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: We knew that heart failure was one of the worst areas, and we looked at a few pieces of work that had suggested that in the hypertension or the pulmonary hypertension setting, they were doing much better and had a much more sort of equal um, proportions of males and females. And it's probably a bit of a twofold uh, reason for that. So. Sort of women, when they do get coronary disease and heart failure, they tend to preserve their LV ejection fraction um, from the evidence. Whether that's a protective effect of estrogen, lots of um, researchers sort of going in to try and find out why that happens. And also, women get a higher proportion of microvascular disease, which has also been linked to sort of more of the heart failure with preserved ejection fraction group. So, whether the hypertension trials sort of have more women in them because uh, they still have the same amounts of hypertension. as as opposed to heart failure, where obviously there are more men with the the disease. But also a lot of heart failure trials are sort of based around um, medication, lifestyle, whereas perhaps some more of the sort of heart heart failure or coronary disease trials are more intervention based. And we know that actually women are more put off from partaking in intervention trials, which is also something we found in this paper, where they sort of perceive the personal risk to be higher. So it's probably a twofold reason why uh, hypertension trials do quite a bit better than, than we do.
0: Mm, It's interesting, and it's something I hadn't really noticed before I read your paper. Um, So let's go back to to this study then. What were the aims of this study going into it? What what did you hypothesize?
1: So yeah, our aims really were to look at um, large heart failure trials that have been published in the last 20 years to establish what the disparity was. Um, But as we said, that had been looked at by a few other authors. So beyond that, we wanted to look at the reasons behind the disparity. And the ways we wanted to do that was to break trials down into um, LV ejection fraction categories and also etiologies of heart failure. And then with all those trials, we wanted to compare the prevalence of women to registries in the same areas and topics and also to population statistics. And I think our main hypothesis going in was we did feel there would there would be a bias element and that there would be a difference. Um, you know, between population and trials, and whether or not there was an enrolment bias going on uh, at multiple levels—patient-led and physician-led—and
0: what were the methods that you used, Holly, to address your uh, to address this question?
1: So we basically carried out a systematic reviews of the literature. We included all journals with an impact factor over 20, and that just gave us a sort of a handful of high-impact general medical and cardiology um, journals to ensure that we get a really good spread of, sort of high-impact trials. Um, and then there had to be heart failure, and we only looked at the sort of main seminal papers as opposed to sub analyses or, or further um, analyses of, of those trials. Um, so we basically sought to use published study level data um, to have a look at the prevalence of females and, and males, and then documented a few other things as well. So whether there was any particular exclusion criteria that might affect uh, one sex more than the other. Um, and we also reported the sort of mean or median age. Um, that, that was raised into each trial.
0: And do you want to go through your headline results um, that you report in your paper? I know it's quite a heavy paper in terms of results, but what are the sort of headline ones that you think listeners um, should try and take home?
1: Yeah, so we kind of found a continuous um, gradation between trials, registries and the population uh, in terms of females. So obviously the least amounts in all the trials, some more in the registries and then obviously going up to population. And that was seen across all heart failure etiologies and also across all um, LV ejection fractions. but it was most pronounced as the sort of heart failure got more severe. So uh, the, the more severe LV dysfunction, they had the least proportion of women, sort of 21% of females. um, Whereas the the trials looking at heart failure preserved ejection fraction, although there was still a small difference there, it was much less um, significant. And the most sort of striking difference was in ischemic cardiomyopathy, which is some of the trials that we've been involved in. So only um, 18% of females were found in, in these trials compared to sort of 30% of the non-ischemic. So it was really interesting to see that there was quite a lot of differences between those. And again, as I touched on earlier, if the trial involved an invasive procedure or an intervention, females were again much, much less likely to be in that trial as compared to the sort of lifestyle or, or drug trials.
0: And just looking at your lovely figure two in your paper. So I see here that you looked at patients involved in 146 heart failure trials, which is uh, yeah a huge number.
1: Yeah, there was lots available to us, which was good. Um, And it was a very large number of uh, participants, even the registries of 19 registries, um, nearly 600,000 patients. So it was a large group.
0: Okay, and just so just to recap, if you look at the general population, as you say, it's more like 50 50. And then you go down to registries which are more biased or have let's say fewer females enrolled even in a registry and then down to the worst performers which are some of the heart failure studies looking at patients with reduced EF, um, and some of them as you say as low as a sort of mid 20s would that be a reasonable summary
1: yeah definitely yeah thanks
0: um, and what do you think about some of the reasons behind your findings you mentioned before that obviously um, you know men are more affected by heart failure um, than women in general terms at the sort of population level. But why do you think there is this gap when it comes to recruitment into clinical trials?
1: So I think you, you can probably split the reasons uh, into sort of more of a biological variation, as we sort of touched on earlier,
0: mm. uh,
1: and then uh, bias. And within bias, there are multiple different categories as well. So selection and enrollment and different stages. So uh, on the biological variation side, uh, so, as as you mentioned, there may be fewer women that that have such sort of severe LV ejection fraction drops uh, in these conditions. So, if a trial mandates a certain ejection fraction cutoff, which some of them do, then the lower down you go, the less females that you'll have available to recruit. And that that makes sense. That's not something that we can change. And if that's just reflective of the population, then that's understandable. But if that were the only thing going on, then obviously we wouldn't see these stark differences between the trials and populations that we did. So I think there is a, a large element of bias going on, unfortunately. And as we mentioned, if females are being sort of under-investigated and maybe followed up less frequently, as we've seen in some other work, then they're probably getting less interactions with healthcare professionals and therefore less opportunities to have research mentioned to them. Then if they're perceiving higher risk from partaking in research, maybe they aren't as willing to join. Trial paperwork in some scenarios has been found to not be maybe as sort of female um, focused. Some other people have found that childcare can be a bigger issue for females wanting to join research. And then also sort of more of a clinician led by us. So if a female's a bit older, which we know is a common, uh, they present later in, in our age, so if they think a patient's too old to partake in the trial or they, they say certain comorbidities can't join or even sort of drug doses, sometimes they say, oh, they need to be on maximum tolerated uh, medical therapy. But if a female BMI perhaps is a lot lower, they might need a much lower uh, dose of medication to be getting a similar effect. So all these sort of little things, I think, add up um, uh, to disadvantage women taking part in research.
0: And what would you say uh, your conclusions are and... What what could we do to basically improve things? I know just a lovely editorial uh, paper of which you also mentioned on social media recently, which which highlighted uh, some of the things we could do. But do you have any thoughts about how we could improve things?
1: Yeah, I know that editorial was fabulous. I recommend everyone to read that as well. Um, I think we sort of came out of it concluding that you know nobody's saying that we should be striving for fifty percent if that's not actually what the patient population is so we're sort of we're not aiming for equivalent we're aiming for proportionality um, with respect to the disease prevalence but that being said we've still got a way to go just to achieve that and I think future researchers just need to be aware of this problem and it's not just from the start of recruitment into trials but I think it's right at the beginning with trial design and I think you know, patient representatives on, on uh, in all stages of, of trial design is really important because they'll probably have insights that you might not have if you're a bit more removed from what, what it's like to be a patient in these study so. You know, designing uh, um, patient information sheets might seem obvious, but you know, making sure that you make any allowances for people who might have other commitments, uh, being able to have more virtual visits rather than lots of in person visits. And then yeah, being more aware of that unconscious bias, even in clinical practice. So if people are presenting with these histories, you know, trying to think that we're doing the exact same investigations we would do if they were, you know, of the other sex, if that's appropriate.
0: Brilliant. I mean that I think that's a, a fantastic summary and this and um really important messages for everybody listening to this podcast and yeah as you say holly i'll put a link into the editorial written accompanying your paper and obviously your paper as well will be made free for a few weeks is there any sort of take-home message final parting message that you like to give to the listeners before we let you get back to your uh, busy day job
1: yeah i think anyone involved in trials you know just to be striving to to try and recruit everyone they come across um, to give everyone the opportunity even if you think that they they might not be keen and maybe making sure that you've asked them um, and, you know, they, they have found that female led trials are more likely to have a more equal population. So perhaps we need to get some more women into research and that might help as well.
0: That's a, a really positive note to end on. Thanks ever so much. And uh, As I say, the paper will be made free if it's not already for a few weeks after the podcast comes out. So please go and read it along with the editorial. And thanks ever so much, Dr. Holly Morgan, for your time. Thanks.